The conversations on this podcast are between the host and the guest and are not directed at any member of the general public. The information is for your listening pleasure, but is not offering you any personal advice. If you have heard something that you feel may be relevant to yourself, please visit your medical practitioner or mental health provider. Hello, welcome to Life Changes You. I'm Daniel. And uh, look, I was going to run this season, season five, quite long, but unfortunately I've become quite unwell. So this will be the last episode for this season. It's with a fan favourite, Isaac Lee. He'll be joining me in a minute. So look, the podcast is called Life Changes You, and I wanted to tell you a bit about why I'm having to take a break. So I've had a bleed in the pituitary gland, and so that's made me really tired, headaches, and uh, lack of concentration. So I'm unable to work at the moment or put out any podcasts because I find it really difficult to concentrate on the conversation I'm having. So if you've been contacting me, because I get at least 10 people contact me a week to come on the show, if you're listening, just wait a month or two because I won't be back recording until then because I've got lots of things that I need to do with specialists before I can come back and do a proper a proper season. So Isaac's joining me today because it is the 200th episode and I thought I needed to get that out in season five so that we can start off 201 in the next season. So look, I hope you enjoy this conversation that I'm going to have with Isaac and I look forward to getting back to uh, putting out more podcasts. Remember, you can send me an email. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram at uh, life underscore changes you underscore podcast. I'm on YouTube. I'm on TikTok. I'm everywhere. So just look out for Life Changes You and you'll definitely find me. Until I can get back, please enjoy this last episode, which is the 200th, and uh, I hope to be back quite soon. So thank you and enjoy this episode. So today I've got Isaac Lee, psychologist from Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. He's been on, I think he's been on six or seven episodes, and today is the 200th episode. There have been a few repeats in there, but still... 200 episodes is somewhere I never thought I'd get to when I started this. So let's introduce Isaac. Hello, Isaac. How are you? I'm doing well. And so I feel so privileged to be here today in your 200th episode. That's such an achievement. Really well done, mate. Really well done. Well, look, you know, I said in my opening before you joined me that, you know, because I've got all these things going wrong at the moment with my health, I got to 199 episodes and thought, God, I need to do 200. I need to do that 200th one. And who better to talk to than you? Because if this screws up and I can't remember anything, then we can just can it or I can just say, look, Isaac, you just take over. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Okay. Okay. I like it. Yeah. So um, what are we talking about today, Isaac? Because you always have really great topics that you bring and and, uh, good ideas. Yeah, so I thought considering you going through the health stuff at the moment, talking about self-care would be a really good thing to highlight the importance of and just talk about how you actually engage in self-care and how you maybe look after yourself and what things you can do in order to prioritise that in your life and to understand some of the psychological concepts behind it, where we want to go with that so that you can be a little bit more targeted with that self-care. Well, can I just say to you that, look, I've been off work now for about five weeks And the first two weeks, even though I had the headaches and the tiredness, I still couldn't shut myself down from thinking about work and doing podcasts and all that sort of stuff, because I guess I am a pretty busy person. And to then be told, look, really, you just need to sit around and just watch TV and not do too much. 
so it was really hard to be able to just get myself to be able to sit and be happy with what I was doing. Like the other day I started watching, I don't know if you've watched it, Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay. The whole series was there and I started watching it and about four episodes in I thought, oh, I should do something today. And I thought, no, I'm supposed to relax. Let's just binge this for the whole day. And that's what I did. And it was actually quite nice at the end of the day. Yeah, okay. So allowing yourself to actually stop yeah. and relax and you know, in your case, actually follow some orders from, from a doctor, which, you know, is a little bit more on the extreme side of things. But important thing to note that sometimes we just push ourselves and push ourselves and push ourselves uh, and we've got to slow down. So, And I think that's what it is. I think it was time I learned the lesson that I don't have to be on the go all the time. People can manage without me. I, look, luckily with the podcast, I'd recorded 10 episodes in the space of two and a half weeks, which now that shows you that, you know, I'm overdoing it, but it, I had enough then to be able to take the time off from recording and just keep putting them out weekly because I didn't need to record anything, which was lucky in a way, but look, it doesn't matter. I mean, when health issues come up, I guess you just have to learn that it's time to rest. It's time to uh, stop worrying about all those things and just be in the present moment. Yeah, yeah. Stop worrying about them. That's an interesting one because it's bloody hard to do. Yeah. I, like, I'm sure the heaps of people listening to this podcast are, you know, are very good at encouraging other people to take a break. Very good at saying, hey, you know, you should look after yourself and, you know, you should prioritize your health. But then when it comes to themselves, different set of metrics. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, it's good for them to take some time off, but... I really, I want to get things done. You know, like I want to, I want to push myself. It's important to me. You know, getting a sense of achievement is something that's psychologically healthy. You know, there are some benefits to it, but it's also, when do you differentiate between just trying to push yourself in a healthy way? And when are you actually not being able to take time off because of this undefined or internal pressure that you have uh, about achieving or wanting to, to be better or wanting to do more or wanting to be perfect? Or, or just feeling like you're needed. Yeah. You know, that's a great one with me, with my mum in a home. You know, I go and see her three or four times a week. And then when I couldn't go, it was like, oh, but I need to go. Well, no, you don't. It's Mum's fine. She's going to be fine. I can talk to her on the phone. I can talk to her on FaceTime. And that was something I learned as well, that I didn't have to keep going. I could just still speak to her and, you know, and have that time to myself. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's break that one down for a second. Uh, specifically yeah. with you, you know, so you've got this desire or almost even a need or a like a, an overwhelming desire or need to go and help her in this point in time. Why do you think that is? I think because what we went through last year with her with a cancer scare that turned out to be false, uh, she fell and broke her hip and then she fell and broke five ribs. It's it's And I guess going into a nursing home, you know, you don't, you you want to feel confident that they're doing everything they should be doing, but then you also want to make sure that you check on that they're doing all those things. And now I think I feel quite comfortable with her being there that I don't need to go and see that they're doing the right thing. Okay. Okay. So some legitimate concerns to start with whilst also acknowledging that that desire is maybe disproportionate to the situation because you logically know that they are taking care of her and that she is going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that we notice with people is 
in their childhood, they might have experiences that influence the way that they see relationships. So for you, I would hazard a guess that at points in your childhood, you were positively reinforced for looking after your mum or looking after somebody else that was close yeah, to you. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. So uh, what happens in that kind of situation? There's a little bit of this overall umbrella term we call subjugation. Within that is something we call self-sacrificing, where we define our own value by the impact that we have on others. So if that happens, then I'm a good son if I look after my mum. I'm a good person if I help other people. Now, these are good qualities to have, right? Like somebody that cares about other people is a good thing, right? Uh, but if you told me that you were getting out of your hospital bed in order to go down to your mum's place in order to make sure that she was okay, then what you're doing is you're not prioritising your own health yeah. because you're saying, if I don't get out of hospital bed, look after mum, if I don't do that, then I'm a bad son, I'm a bad person, I don't have value and I should be ashamed of myself. Right. So what do you think about that? As I say that out loud, what goes through your head? And when you said about uh, that I, I must have been young and, I don't know, five, six to ten years old, and at that stage I used to go to Sunday school, I knew quite a lot of the older people in the congregation, and, you know, I'd stay with them when I was sick. Mum would ring them up and say, can you look after him while I'm out? And I'd help them around the kitchen and stuff. And I, I think that sort of stuff is why, because then they'd always say to me, oh, you're a good boy, you're a good boy, I must tell your mum, and that must stick in your head, oh, I've done something good, I've helped someone. Yeah. And, and, you know, look, I mean, I've worked in in the help industry all my life in disability, counselling, aged care, so I guess that's something that I feel that I get rewarded plenty from it, from what I do and what I see, but also I like helping those people as well. Yeah, yeah. So the way that I look at it is this kind of thing makes for the people that are the most favourite from my perspective, right? My my, my most favourite people are self-sacrifices, people that will go to more effort to help other people, that think about other people in this empathic way and go out of their way to, to try to be nice people, right, to help others. I think that's a really good trait, a really good quality. Yeah. And you know, something that you should celebrate, right? Like you should give yourself a pat on the back for that. Excellent. So there's some visual pats on the back going on here uh, for those listening. I, I was a bit apprehensive of answering when you said, uh, when you asked me the question uh, before you explained it, because I was a bit like, oh, is there going to come a bad part to this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, talking about in the terms, like within the context of uh, looking after yourself, engaging in self-care, yeah. we might notice that, it's going to be difficult for you to engage in self-care because you're used to helping others instead of helping yourself. Yeah. So acknowledging that dynamic of your childhood and how your childhood impacts your current relationships is going to give you a little bit more power to be able to go, oh, I get why I'm like, I feel guilty if I don't help others or I feel overwhelmed if I'm focusing on myself or I feel like I'm being selfish or I don't want to be a burden on this person that's bringing super in my, to my house. So I'm not going to ask them to do that. Um, so I'm not going to ask people for help or I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z, even though it would be healthy and happy and, and, and good for me. I'm not going to do that because of this inbuilt system that I've got from my childhood experiences. 
There are a whole bunch of different ones. Yeah. Bunch of different uh, psychological, uh, we call them schemas or patterns uh, or filters yeah. or core beliefs. There's a whole bunch of different psych terms that yeah, we can yeah, use yeah. for these things. But these childhood experiences that influence the way that we perceive or interpret things in our adult life, which can really impact the way that we approach self-care. So we've identified one for you. Let's talk a little bit more broadly about self-care. When I when I use that term self-care, what comes to your mind? Oh, look, I don't know because being on Instagram and social media, self-care seems to be uh, lots of different meanings. Self-care is, I guess, taking the time out to read a book, to just sit and relax, to go to the movies with a friend. It's about doing things that you want to do. Yeah, okay. That are going to make you feel, uh, I guess, more relaxed and better. Yeah, more relaxed and better. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, if you look at Instagram posts, the two most common ones that come up are uh, self-care is wine and chocolate, (laughs) which I'm not against. I'm actually very much for that when it's appropriate, but I think it's also a little bit more complex than that uh, because sometimes that's exactly what you need. Yep. But if you told me that your self-care was for the next seven days, I'm going to drink a bottle of wine and eat a block of chocolate every day, <laughs> I'd be going, oh, maybe maybe you've got some other commitments that you want to prioritise as well. Maybe there's some other things that you want to do. Yeah. Um, and so, like, yeah, these things are in moderation. The, the one that always comes to my mind when I was talking about self-care at this professional development event and somebody else said that one of their self-care things was to do their tax. Okay. Now, tax, for me, I don't like doing my tax, right? Filling everything out, doing the paperwork, doing the admin, filling, filling all these forms out. It's it's something that does my head in, right? I don't enjoy it. But it's also something that stresses me out in general, knowing that I have to do that tax, knowing that I have to do my business activity statement or have to do some admin is something that stresses me out. So by me going and doing the tax in advance, going and finishing that admin, that actually reduces my stress overall. And so, therefore, I would put it under that category of self-care. Right. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So there is like a a broader kind of childhood need that I put that under. So setting realistic limits and self-control. This is an example of you encouraging yourself to do something that is going to make your life better. Yeah. So even though for me doing my tax is something like I really don't enjoy doing, like I really don't enjoy doing it. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if you're getting to that. If that's coming through to you. <laughs> I, really, I really don't enjoy doing my tax. <laughs> so actually getting that out of the way is an important engagement in self care. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's a bit of a clincher here when it comes to the tax, which is there are different ways that I might engage in that. So one is for me to do the tax myself to fill out the admin, right? For me to go through, put all the details in. Can you think of another way that I might be able to get that stress off my back? Well, I guess by prioritising it and doing it before the last minute would take the stress away because then you're, you, you've got it done and you don't have to keep thinking about it. Totally. So prioritising it is a big one. There's another one that I really like, which is delegating it to somebody else. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I could ask a friend to do it. I could pay somebody else to do it. 
I could ask somebody to do it with me. Uh, there are a variety of different approaches that we can have. And I think that this is an important one to highlight because so often we go, I need to do this myself because it's difficult or because uh, it's something that I don't enjoy. I'm going to put myself in this position because you know, it's kind of like I'm proving something to myself. Yeah. Right? Like I'm proving that I'm good enough to be able to do my tax. I'm good enough to be able to complete this task. Does anything come to mind regarding like, like if, if you're going to draw some dots to a childhood experience, anything come to your mind that like a, a child might experience where as an adult, they've got this need to prove that they can do something? Not that I can think of at the moment. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. I'm putting you on the spot here. Uh, I work with a lot of people. Yeah. And so I see a lot of different childhood experiences. A very common one, you know, the one that we talked about you with self-sacrificing right? Feeling like I'm a good person if I do these things. A lot of people will experience something in their childhood that I will receive admiration, support, love from my parents if I achieve. Right. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So if I had difficulty with my maths homework, but then I managed to like smash it out of the park and I got an A for my next maths assignment, I get home and that's the time that my mum says, hey, really good job. I'm proud of you. Yeah. That's the time that dad says, oh, look, we're going to celebrate. We're going to take you out to Maccas. Yeah. Right? Or I might have won the grand final in my football. Right? And the coach says, hey, really good job. Everybody did so well. Right? You're going to get best and fairest or or the team is going to celebrate together. And we really did well. Excellent job, team. So let's go celebrate. Parents say, I'm really proud of you for this. And so... What can happen there is we internalize, like, if I do this hard thing, if I achieve this goal, then I have worth. Yeah, yeah. So you're basically putting yourself worth as what you can achieve. Yeah. And it's an ongoing thing then because you've sort of, I guess it compounds as well. The more times that happens, then it's like, well, my only real self-worth is when I achieve these things. Yeah. So if you've got this childhood that I only really have worth if I achieve and then you're laid out in a hospital bed or your health is impacted and you can't achieve the things that you previously achieved, where's your worth coming from? Yeah. It's going to be pretty hard to engage in self-care in the form of following your doctor's advice of lying on the couch and watching some TV. Yeah. If the worth that you have in your head is defined by X, Y, Z, by achieving, by doing this, by completing this number of hours of work or by earning this amount of money. Uh, so it can be really difficult to engage in self-care if that's the makeup that you have regarding those childhood experiences impacting your current functioning or your, your current uh, uh, way of looking at the world or yourself. Yeah. I know that when I was... 15, 16, and I left school, my dad said, you can leave school as long as you have a job and as long as you work. So I, I guess that gave me a good work ethic because I've never been out of work except for when I was sick a few years ago. Um, I've always known I have to work, I have to work. But then I guess it's also a pressure that if you're not working, then, well, why aren't you working? And I guess that's what I'm dealing with at the moment. I'm not going to work, so why aren't I going to work? Well, I'm sick, but you should still be at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the concept that I threw out there, I asked that question, what's another one that you can do? And you said straight away, your brain went to, I'm going to prioritize this. I'm going to get the work done, you know, like make sure that you get the, the tax completed. 
And then my head's going to, I can ask somebody else to do it yeah. or I can pay somebody else to do it. But your kind of modus of operandi is like, no, 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 no. I need to get this done, right? Yeah. And that way, like if I'm going to draw that back to your childhood experiences, if I get this tax done, then my dad's going to be happy with me or say that I've done enough. Yeah. Yeah. So you in this situation where you're actually having to take some time off, it's going to be difficult in, in multiple ways. Why not getting that sense of achievement and feeling like you're you're letting the team down, that you're not going to work or you're not doing the things that you need to do, not outputting enough podcasts for people to listen to, uh, not helping people at work. Right? So you're not getting that sense of achievement from that and then not getting the sense of achievement from just helping others. Yeah. And so, yeah, a little bit of a recipe for being very difficult for you to engage in self-care. Yeah, definitely. I actually think that when I do the podcast and when I used to do lives on Instagram, uh, that was a bit of my self-care because I was enjoying the conversations I was having with people. So it was nurturing me and I'd come off the podcast or live and I'd go, wow, that was a really interesting conversation. And it would help me to reflect on my own life, to see different points of where I could do better, where my strengths are, where my weaknesses are. So, yeah, I always think of that as self-care because, and it was also like that hour or two hours in my week where I was 100% in that moment because I had to focus on what I was doing with that other person that I was talking to. Yeah, yeah. So you're noticing here that what you're telling me is that doing the podcast in some ways is you engaging in self-care. Yeah. Yeah. So this exploration of what self-care is, is getting a little bit more complicated for the two of us as we talk about this. And I'm going to encourage the listeners to do the same thing, to think about how they view themselves and where they get a sense of worth from, and then extrapolate to some childhood experiences. And you can do this with a therapist as well, uh, but just by yourself, I think is a a really good exercise. And then go, what is self-care for me? Is it taking that time off? Is it completing my tax? Is it doing a podcast? Is it going for a run? Is it, you know what? I'm going to organize to go out with some girlfriends. Is it the social connection that's important to you? That maybe you've been withdrawing from or you haven't been engaging with because you feel like you're obligated to look after the kids more or to not be a burden on your partner or to prioritize work or to earn more money or to do these other things that have been a a focus or priority uh, taking away from that self-worth. Yeah. And then that's impacting your ability to engage in self-care. Today I saw on social media something about, you know, you can earn a million dollars, you can have the best job, you can marry the best looking man or woman, but that still doesn't create genuine happiness in you because happiness comes from inside. And I guess the more self-care we do for ourselves, the more happier we'll be because we're actually looking after not only our bodies but also our mind. And, you know, your mind can overthink so many things and if we're not taking that break to actually just enjoy that moment with some self-care, we're going to go down a spiral. Yeah, totally, totally. So uh, let me give you this line that I use with almost all of my clients uh, and almost all of my friends and with myself personally. Right? There's this line in schema therapy that just resonates with me so strongly. The line is learning to be the parent to yourself. Right. Now, this isn't learning to be the parent that your parents were specifically. 
we sometimes refer to it as the good parent or the archetypically good parent. You know, the the the, the fantasyful, like does everything right kind of parent. Yep. But the idea is to be the parent to ourselves. So, if you had a a small child, right? You personally, yep. right? You had a small child, there's an eight year old who had just gone out of hospital, right? Would you tell him, "Hey, you really need to get back to school straight away because"? Uh, you need to achieve. <laughs> yeah, I see where you're coming from. You wouldn't say that at all, would no. you? No. No, you'd, you'd say, hey, you really need to rest, relax. How about you lie on the couch? Yeah. How about you watch Hell's Kitchen? <laughs> How about you just take a step back? And you might also say things like you are loved, you are supported. You'd be encouraging them to do this because you care about them. Yeah. Because you want them to be well. Now, if they were going to be off for six months, you probably wouldn't just tell them to sit on the couch for six months, right? Yeah. The archetypal good parent would also probably call up the school and find out what the maths homework is or the English homework and bring that back for them and be able to say, hey, look, when you're able to, don't push yourself too much, but you also want to push yourself a little bit in order to get this maths homework done so that you can catch up on these things if they're able to. Yeah. So you'd be setting some realistic limits. You'd be setting some boundaries with them. You'd be encouraging them, but you'd also be supportive and loving and caring, acknowledging where they're at with their illness or their energy levels and so you're supporting them on both sides. It's not just about, you know, wine and chocolate. It's also about acknowledging, hang on a second, I'm going to support you to work out what the best things for you in life are. What are the things that are causing you stress and can we fix them? So learning to be the parent to yourself. And look, when you put it like that, I mean, that is so, so, so true. You know, like when I sit there, like I said before, when I was watching TV all day and I thought, oh, I need to do something. And then I went, no, it's okay. You can relax. You, you have an illness, you know. And do you know what? Even though I'd had four scans, uh, two CT scans, two MRIs, and I was told there was definitely something wrong in my pituitary gland, while I was still at home some days going, well, I should be able to do this and I should be able to do that. And I know in psychology counselling we say we should should get rid of shoulds. You know, I still, even though I had the evidence based that I had something wrong with me, I was still telling myself that I should be doing stuff. Yeah. And then it took me, I reckon, two weeks to get used to it. And when I started saying, you know, you should be doing this or you should clean out this cupboard or you should, I thought, no, look, I've been told to rest, so that's what I need to do. And if resting is reading a book, resting could be sitting in the bath, it could be cleaning a cupboard, but it's just whatever my energy levels and my headache is for that day, then I can cope with that. But when I kept putting the pressure on me of you should be doing something, I was feeling worse because I, then I had all this anxiety coming up of, well, why aren't you doing it? What's wrong with you? You know, And I know what's wrong with me. I've got the scans to show what's wrong with me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we often refer to that as the internal critic. Right. Uh, so the critic coming in and telling you that you're not good enough or that you have to uh, achieve more in order to get that love, care and attention um, that you crave as any kid. Yeah. It, it is still hard some mornings. I wake up and I have breakfast and I feel okay and then a few hours later I start to feel a bit dodgy and I think, oh, you've got to do something today. And then I think, now look, today's obviously a day where I just need to take it quietly Tomorrow might be a different day where I can go out and do something. 
Yep. Yep. I find that uh, the time that it comes to my head, me personally, is like one in the morning when I'm trying to get to sleep. And then my brain's like, oh, remember that you should do all of these things, um, which is really difficult to then get Have to you sleep, tried melatonin? So. <laughs> <laughs> I have Because that's what I use. I mean, yeah. since I've had this thing with my brain, I just can't shut off at night. And so taking half a melatonin, it just gives me that little relaxation and then I go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, can be quite a useful, useful. Um, and I would think that nearly everybody on the planet would say that when they get into bed, that's when they really start thinking. Because I guess you you haven't got all these external things going on, and you're just lying there in bed quietly, and all of a sudden your brain goes, "Oh, did you remember to do this? What about this tomorrow?" You know. So I think everybody does that. I I, I guarantee you that there are a bunch of people listening right now that are going, "Yeah, I do exactly that." Yeah. But I also guarantee there's a bunch of people listening right now that are going, no, no, I just go to sleep. Like, really? I put my head and I go to sleep. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole bunch of people that are in that category. Wow. Yeah. I, look, I think the only time I can remember being like that when I went to sleep was when I was a kid and I probably exhausted myself all day and then just fell asleep. Yeah. But as an yeah. adult, I, I can't remember just falling asleep at night. You know, it usually takes me about half an hour to quieten my brain down and not off. Yeah, my wife is in that category of falling asleep within probably, I, I would say, if it's more than two minutes, then that would be unusual. Wow. So, yeah. I describe it as her superpower. Wow. And she's like, that's just normal. And I'm like, I wish that was. <laughs> uh, so it is normal for a whole bunch of people. Uh, but, yeah, certainly not everybody. Yeah. Wow. Look, Isaac, that's been brilliant. Thanks for coming on the 200th episode. There were some really good nuggets of information there that actually made me rethink things. And, you know, that's why I say I love doing these podcasts because I always learn more about myself than I guess I ever thought I would. You know, just you explaining the putting yourself in the position of being a small child and what that child needs makes me realize that what I'm doing for myself most of the time is what I need to be doing for myself without criticizing what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Without criticizing, which is honestly hard to do. Yeah. I, I would, I would also encourage people to do it despite of the criticism. So you're going to still have that part of your voice that says you can't do this. You need to do more for others or you need to prioritize your work or you need to do X, Y, or Z. So have that criticism come in and still, despite having that internal critic tell you these things, still prioritize your own self-care. Beautiful. Very well said, mate. Very well said. Thank you for joining me again. You'll be back, I'm sure in the next season, whenever I start that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not putting any pressure on myself to when that's starting. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. No pressure, no pressure. Uh, I wanted to ask you, like, uh, the Patreon, because I've, I've heard a couple of episodes and you haven't mentioned the Patreon in a while. I was just thinking before I jumped onto this thing that I know that you have a lot of difficulty talking about uh, Patreon or talking about or asking for help or or getting people to kind of chip in in the way that could be helpful for you to prioritize more of these podcasts. I know as you're taking this break, yeah. a lot of people are going to be a little bit sad that that's the case. And I was just thinking, can I ask you what things people might be able to do to help you get back into providing more, more podcasts? Perfect. So, yeah, if you want to support the show, Go to my patron and drop a couple of dollars a month. That'll be fantastic. And that'll help me do lots more work keeping the podcast going. So, because I know there's so many listeners out there who listen every week, put a dollar in a month. That's good. $12. 
God, great, great value. I also wanted to offer, you know, in terms of me being able to help out, we did a, a mindfulness exercise before this podcast started, and you mentioned that some people put some stuff on Patreon. Would you like me to do a mindfulness exercise with you that we could then put on the Patreon specifically for the patrons to to be able to check out? Would that be something you'd be interested in? Yeah, that could be good. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, let's do that in a in a few weeks, I think. In a few weeks, once uh, you've calmed down a little bit, maybe relax a little bit. See, that's you prioritising. Uh, you've been listening. You've been paying attention. You're, you're engaging in that self-care. When I first got sick, I thought, no, this is it. I need to take a break from the podcast. And, you know, yeah, I wanted to come back. I also wanted to come back to see if I could actually speak fluently and analyze what you were saying as you were saying it because I was worried that I was losing that part of my brain because of headaches and stuff that carry on every day. Uh, but it's been really good to just jump back in and and realize that, yeah, no, I can still do it, but probably I think I still need a bit more time off. All right, good. Well, um, really well done. I'm proud of you for being able to stop and say, yeah, I'm going to do this in three weeks' time. I don't need to do this right now. That That's a, a really good example of you engaging in that self-care despite some of those underlying factors that we've talked about today. And for those that are listening, have that question in your head like, how can I be the parent to myself? How can I be the parent to myself? It's good. Right, that archetypal good parent. How can I support myself? How can I give myself like secure emotional attachments to myself? How can I look after myself? And what is the best way to, to go about doing that? Is it doing your tax now? Is it getting somebody else to do your task tax? Is it asking for help from a friend? Is it prioritizing going out with your own friends and asking your partner to do something? What about the things that are, are right for you? And how can you be that parent to yourself? Perfect. Thank you, Isaac. Always a pleasure to speak to you and uh, always get good feedback on your appearances. People love what you talk about. I think the last one we talked about was um, being vulnerable. Being vulnerable. Oh, yes. I love being vulnerable. Like, uh, and to be clear, I love the concept of being vulnerable. I hate being vulnerable myself, right? uh, but I'm learning to be better at it and I'm encouraging other people to do the same. Yeah. Look, I mean, if you want to go back and listen to that episode with Isaac and myself, that was a really good episode. All right, Isaac, thank you so much for joining me on a freezing cold afternoon here in Melbourne. No worries. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you liked it, please share it with your friends and share on social media and subscribe. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram and watch live conversations on Wednesdays and get daily updates. You can also follow the YouTube channel and watch live conversations and listen to the podcast from there. Keep sending in your emails and messages as I love reading them and interacting with you. And I'll always respond to you. Take care of yourselves and each other.